But the thing about toxic monogamy and the culture that we have been brought up in is that that not only are we in a, a compulsory monogamous culture where it's like that's the only path, right? That's that's what we're taught. But also that like here is what love should look like. And so much of that is rooted in in these very toxic behaviors <laughs> that we don't realize as humans are toxic because that's all we've been taught. That's all we've shown, been shown through the media, through model, models of relationships in our lives, and as a result, in the way that we conduct our own relationships. So we identify these uh, behaviors or these things that are actually really toxic, unhealthy ways of operating in relationship as love. Welcome to the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast. Your place for all things real talk and conscious conversations about shit that really fucking matters. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, your go-to bisexual polyamorous confidence coach who tells it as it is and owns her mess. If you're here to live your fuck yes life, welcome home, my love. Are you ready? Here we go. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to episode 134 of the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, your host and uh, the resident bisexual body loving Braca, polyamorous human, and so many other things that make me who I am. Uh, and today's episode is just you and me because I have some shit <laughs> that we need to get into. Um, some feels that are coming up front and center. And some unpacking around a topic that I've been getting a lot of requests uh, to dive in in a deeper way than I already have uh, in some of my posts, um, both on Instagram and TikTok. And I've never really done a full episode around this before. Um, And frankly, it's because I didn't understand myself the ways in which this really showed up until the last six months to a year. Um, And... I've been unpacking it for a while, uh, unpacking things around toxic monogamy culture uh, since I started my journey in non-monogamy and polyamory, uh, just by literally living that and realizing the subconscious programmed beliefs that um, are so embedded in our our culture and as a result in us as human beings. But it's been really coming to the forefront for so many people um, in questions lately of all sorts. Um, And so I wanted to tackle it today and um, and share and educate around what this is. And of course, always just from my perspective, from the things I've lived, from everything that I know from my journey um, is what I'm always speaking from. Um, Before I get into the specifics... You know, the last couple of weeks have been really interesting. Um, I have been a uh, a creator of some sort in the online space since 2015. And um, in that, well, really 2014. And in that journey, you know, I have, just by being me and by sharing me, uh, I have been a very inherently polarizing person on the interwebs. Uh, I share very transparently about the things that I have gone through and specifically also the things that I am <laughs> or am not or identify with or don't identify with. And um, I... By, by many folks' standards, by the cultural norm standards, um, would be considered, you know, by many folks in the, quote, other camp or the alternative camp or uh, the less uh, popular perspective and um, way of operating and being. Uh, and it's always... Uh, ruffled people's feathers. It's always um, open discussion. I mean, literally from the moment I started, even just just being myself, 
you know, that's been happening in the real world. But it really amplifies when you're <laughs> when you're online and when you're speaking transparently, you know, from my Instagram and blogging days to uh, Instagram becoming more popular and um, and having more of a platform on there and uh, to, you know, writing my book, having my podcast um, and beyond. And now, you know, for the last year plus having a TikTok um, and having my reach be um, so expanded, you know, it's not, not to mention just like anything that I do from a coaching standpoint or just a fucking being a human in the world standpoint. Uh, but you know, my, my journey to sharing really started from a season of hmm, finally pulling back the curtain of all of the things that I felt like I was trying to be in order to fit in instead of just being myself. And it's really came from a place of starting to not love because I definitely didn't love myself then. And sometimes I still don't fucking love myself because that's what it is to be human. You know, we go in and out of love with with ourselves. <laughs> just like I'm sure sometimes you go in and out of love with the people in your life because it's just part of what it is to be a human right and it's it's but I was you know moving towards this space of self-acceptance this space of of thing oh you know what like this is me and instead of trying to fight against it and fit into societal norms I am going to just fucking be me and that started you know piece by piece layer by layer and the you know the first layers was like I decided not to do the nine to five thing and go against the uh, millennial track and trajectory that was expected of me, you know, and and start my own business um, and go into the arts and be an actor and an entrepreneur and uh, do a lot of different jobs instead of just one thing for the rest of my life because uh, I was too bored for that shit. <laughs> um, and you know, so it was that whole thing. And and then, of course, you know, really with me starting to share online, it was unpacking diet culture. And this was, you know, a few years before the movement really started towards body neutrality. First, we started, like, the, seeing this body positive movement happening in, like, you know, 2017, 2018. 2018, 2019 was when it really started coming to the forefront. Um, but I was talking about, you know, my personal journey with recovery from eating disorders and not the things that were really perceived by society as eating disorders. I mean, I didn't even call it an eating disorder cycle uh, for the longest time because binge eating and orthorexia and over-exercising um, were not considered um, and classified in that space for the longest time. Um, but I just knew that like something wasn't uh, right for me and that trying to fit into this mold that diet culture perpetuated for so long was literally killing me um, instead of supporting my deepest knowing instead of finding a path to not even loving my body because the concept of that was so outside of myself but just like feeling like I didn't need to hate it all the goddamn time that I didn't need to wake up every single day and look in the mirror and pick every part of me apart you know you can go back to some of the earlier episodes um last season um we got into like my true ED cycle um um history and everything like that so if you're curious and haven't listened to that episode go back I'll link it in the show notes um but you know, that, that sharing that was really, you know, and calling certain programs out and experiences out was really fucking polarizing, you know, but it wasn't until, and well, actually let's back up for a second, even, even navigating my journey with the BRCA gene and having a voice as a pre-viver, somebody who's not actually tangibly like I've not had cancer right but I have a super fucking high risk because of the BRCA1 gene of having breast and ovarian cancer and frankly some other gynecological cancers as well and so because of that like finding that out even then I felt like such a fucking imposter and would often um and this happened less online 
uh, because I think at the time when I started sharing, no one was really sharing about it or very few folks were. And so there, it was this beacon of light for so many people who also had the BRCA gene or were also about to navigate a double mastectomy. But at the same time, in circles, uh, you know, where I, I wasn't, you know, like I've, I've been called a fake. I've been called all sorts of things, um, you know, or even like, frankly, been frankly canceled and not canceled, but, um, uh, what's what I'm trying to say. Uh, my voice has been silenced or attempt to be silenced from a lot of platforms because of me showing my tits, um, and my recovery process. And I've had a lot of posts censored and banned as a result. Um, like I had a video up on my Instagram for the longest time and maybe it's still there and like the far, far back, but of me, um, having my, my drains removed post-surgery because it was something that I had never, Seen, and I was terrified of how it was going to feel, what it was going to be like, and I wanted to share the real, the raw, the mess, the, all the thing, right? Um, because I didn't have that, and I wanted other people to feel less alone or less scared going into that process. And, you know, eventually it, it got taken down because it was, you know, removed for adult nudity and all this bullshit. Um, you know, and so even that shit is polarizing. Even fucking just talking about having chopped off my tits is polarizing. But it wasn't until I really started talking and unraveling and feeling safe and feeling the knowing within myself and the safety within myself to be able to say to the world, hi, I'm a bisexual, queer, polyamorous person, that the polarization really started because I think it's one thing to have (laughs) um you know these things that quote happen to us um you know or that we uh quote choose um like you know an eating disorder which I will never say is something that I fucking chose um but some people see it that way you know um you chose to operate this way you didn't eat or you did or whatever um, all of that, or, you know, you chose to get surgery and yeah, okay, fine. Sure. Um, but I, I also identify as a recovering, you know, as someone who's in recovery for eating disorder cycles, I identify as a lot of things outside of being a bisexual polyamorous person. Um, and those things are very, very to my identity, but they also are the things, they also are the things that, have created some massive divisiveness um, and divisive responses, polarizing responses in my comments more than anything else. And if I had not been in the place where I am speaking about it so publicly and openly and also doing so in a kind way that does speak to what people do, right? My TikToks, um, you know, 10-second TikToks, there's a very little lack. There's a lack for nuance there, right, which is, which is why we have the podcast and all sorts of other ways to be able to to, um, to deep dive into this stuff even more. Um, but I, I do share polarizing content because just who I am is polarizing to many because we live in a culture where the norm is heteronormativity, and monogamy, where that is the thing that we have told is accept, is acceptable, is right, is lovable. I mean, there are so many things that have, and, and frankly, because culture, our culture has been built upon the framework of those two things, we have a world where laws, legislation, frankly, just day-to-day operations are so much more accessible and easy and simple for folks who happen to fit into those categories. When the reality is that there are a lot of us that are not that way. And there are a lot of us that are operating in that space who are not that way at all, consciously or unconsciously. Because we have been so programmed to believe that that's the way to go. And we're a society that is built, and especially if you're anything like me and, you know, the rest of this community, um, so many of us operate as, you know, and, and are recovering people pleasers. That is just about, you know, fucking show up, do the thing that is expected of you, 
And that's how you are can be loved and seen and accepted. And so, of course, of course, there has been a fucking slew in the last year, year and a half, almost fucking two years now, where we have been forced to go inward in a way that we've never before as a culture and sit with ourselves and be exposed, maybe spend more time online, especially with TikTok coming out now, you know, you know, and being coming to the forefront where you're being exposed to, yeah, certainly what the algorithm wants you to see for sure. That's definitely true. But also to, to things that maybe are outside of your understanding of self that you hear and you go, whoa, why does that resonate? Right? I mean, I did a TikTok a month ago or something, and it was about um, a very typical response that I, I have been witnessing with so many people who go on TikTok um, who identify as straight and find themselves on lesbian TikTok and are like, why am I turned on by this? You know, where is the attraction? And it's like the amount of people that I follow who are on lesbian TikTok who are like, I was straight a year ago, identified as straight, and I am like full-fledged lesbian. Wow, I was like in the closet my whole life and I had no idea. The amount of people that resonated with that, you know, it was so, so huge. And I, I mean, I was coming from, obviously, my, 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 my awakening did not happen <laughs> via, via TikTok. It happened pre the TikTok trends um, and all of that when I came out in 2018. But so much leading up to that was also a deepening of awareness of my sexuality and how sexuality is fluid. But the fear attached to doing so and the othering, especially being bisexual and how the amount of biphobia that still exists in the world that I get still all the time from both within and outside of the LGBTQ plus community. I mean, it's, it's wild to me, uh, how when something is other or outside of someone's understanding, comfortability, or what they have been taught for so long because of the way that, you know, we've been brought up culturally to believe that something is right or wrong, that it, it it's immediate, the immediate response is I can't or I won't even contemplate this as a possibility or anger or uh, internal fear comes up you know a slew of different possibility of emotions and stuff occurs <laughs> instead for the most part again this is a big generalization but instead of this perspective and this uh this this um choice to show up for things with curiosity right It's so much of why I love doing this podcast and it's why I love connecting with other folks who have different interests than me, who have different life experiences than me because I feel we can learn so much from one another, you know, instead of just immediately showing up from this that can't be true place or that's wrong (laughs) or what the fuck, that's not my experience so you're off. Like, uh, why? Why? And I know, I know that I'm like, I'm, I'm preaching to the choir of folks who, who live in, in a camp of curiosity. You wouldn't be here if you didn't. But I encourage you to not let the divisiveness and the polarity slow you from being who you are. I'm getting so emotional talking about this. Whoa. Huh. Because their fear is not more important than your knowing. Their fear is not more important than your knowing. And you deserve, you deserve to live a life that is reflective of who you really fucking are. Because that, that is what leads to more peace, to more community, to more connection, to more fucking kindness. And we need more of that in this world right now. And that's what also leads to a culture that is rooted in diversity, to a culture that is rooted in not just this one fucking very specific and clinical path 
to success and happiness and fucking whatever, insert word, that you've been taught, right? There is so much more. There are so many different potential paths that you could live that are a reflection of you. And the more we talk about it, the more we share openly with ourselves, first and foremost, but certainly with other people, and we unpack this shit, the more that there is potential for growth. And I fucking do these podcast episodes for that reason. And frankly, everything I fucking share is for that reason. And that is why I'm so passionate about today's topic, which is really unpacking what what the fuck toxic monogamy culture even is and how that is what the society that we've really been brought up into is fully in this toxic monogamy culture and frankly in this compulsory monogamy culture when in reality there are a lot of folks who do not live underneath that bucket the same way that you know uh, compulsory heteronormativity is is not what we actually many of us live under (laughs) and and um and so we need to eradicate that that perspective and adjust the foundation upon which we uh we believe that life should be lived under um and and the only way to do that is by sharing openly and talking about this shit so we're gonna fucking do that (laughs) and I want to preface this conversation and this you know uh education around what this is by saying that I have lived very happily and by all standards of the word word like very healthily um, with of course struggles and occasional toxic behaviors because I think we're all a little fucking toxic at the end of the day because we've been taught to be Um, but I have lived in both of those in both monogamous and polyamorous frameworks. You know, I had an an almost entire decade of adulthood. Yeah, it was a decade of adulthood um, exclusively in the monogamous world and very happily in very happy uh, relationships that were rooted in really healthy communication and, yeah, uh, some struggles here and there as we navigate who the fuck we are in our 20s. Yeah. But so much, so much goodness. So much goodness. And so I have a love and a deep admiration um, and a huge respect for folks who choose, actively choose monogamy and know that that is the framework that they want to build their relationships in. There is absolutely nothing wrong with monogamy, right? I I say the the words toxic monogamy culture or just toxic monogamy and the amount of people who are just like down my throat being like, you're fucking like just because, you know, you're polyamorous doesn't mean monogamy is, is toxic. I'm, I, I'm not saying anything about monogamy being inherently toxic. It does not inherently toxic. Toxic. Toxics? I'm addicted to you. Don't you know that you're toxic? That should truly be the um, <laughs> the slogan for this. Um, <laughs> because it really is, in a lot of ways, this culture, this toxic monogamy culture, right? Monogamy is not inherently toxic. But the culture in which that we operate our uh, framework for what monogamous relationships or frankly just relationships should look like is this toxic monogamous culture. Um, I think polyamory is amazing. I think multiple different ways of non-monogamy is amazing. I think monogamy is amazing. There are no right, wrong, bad, good here. It's just about what's right for you and the partner or partners that you choose to build relationships with, no matter how long those relationships last. But the thing about toxic monogamy and the culture that we have been brought up in is that that not only are we in a you know a, a compulsory monogamous culture where it's like that's the only path right that's that's what we're taught, but also that like here is what love should look like, and so much of that is rooted in 
in these very toxic behaviors <laughs> that we don't realize as humans are toxic because that's all we've been taught. That's all we've shown, been shown through the media, through model, models of relationships in our lives, and as a result, in the way that we conduct our own relationships. So we identify these uh, behaviors or these things that are actually really toxic, unhealthy ways of operating in relationship as love. And it can really fucking start to blow your mind when you start to unpack these because you're like, oh, wow, 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 wow. I didn't realize that I was doing that and thinking on that now. And it's so interesting to me that while in 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 monogamy, you know, I speak to – I know so many people who are monogamous. Most of my friend base is monogamous. My family base is monogamous. Like it, I actually have very few polyamorous humans in my my close circle. Um, that is starting to change, which is really lovely um, because yay for diversity. But um, it's still really true, you know. And um, so much of this unpacking I was doing like on my own or and with Kev, you know, when we were just like, the fuck is happening, you know. Um, and also found myself having conversations when I was monogamous with a lot of my friends or frankly even with just people generally – um, and asking, you know, and hearing people say like, oh, well, yeah, my partner expects this from me or this, I feel this way. And, um, and, and them uh, depicting it as this like normal thing, this love thing, this like healthy thing. And I often was really fucking confused. I was like, well, I, I, I don't feel that. And I, this, this concept that you believe you know, and we'll talk about what those are in a second, but this concept that you believe or that you, you feel like your partner should or should not do, like, I don't feel that way. That feels confusing to me. Like, that feels kind of uh, like you're trying to, uh, like, uh, I don't know, force them into a path that's not actually right for them. And, like, have you not talked about that? Or is, like, that seems normal that they might also be attracted to other people, whatever it is, right? We're going to get into that in a second. But, uh, And that's not to say at all that like I'm coming at you from this high horse, but I'm just trying to share that like my perspectives haven't actually really changed that much from monogamy to polyamory. But my understanding of the level uh, that this shit runs deep has really, 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 really shifted. And there are definitely some things that I had to unpack within my own experience once I stepped into polyamory that actually came to the surface because of my own insecurity, my own attachment fears, and so many of the things that I've shared about in earlier episodes when I talk about polyamory or the attachment episode or whatever, that I really, really had to adjust and think and and de- do some deep work around. Um, so anyways, let's get into what is toxic monogamy exactly. So there's this really great article by this person um, whose name is Hillary Berry. And I really like um, Hillary's definition. So this is what um, this is what it is. It says monogamy as a cultural institution that has been interpreted and practiced in ways that are unhealthy, and then of course it's perpetuated in the media and in the relationships model to us as the standard of what love should look like. Like I said before, um, and it's also like I said before where the privileges in relationship dynamics lie in our current cultural. Uh, in our current culture and our current society. Okay, so what are some examples of how toxic monogamy culture shows up in relationships? And this can also show up in polyamorous relationships. This is the culture that permeates the way we have identified what love is, right? So that is going to, as a result, show up in all types of relationships, whether you are monogamous, polyamorous, or something else, okay? Okay. So here's an example, Um, and these are some things that I've actually either myself experienced or heard other people in my my personal life or have um, clients share with me that I support via my peer support session um, just so that you can kind of get a a more real-life framework. This is an example of things that people have said. So the first one, my partner needs to meet my every need if they don't. Either that means that they're not the person for me, right? If they can't fill my needs, they can't meet my needs, you're not my person. Or, well, that means I'm too needy and I need to stop asking for what I need. 
if you're listening, I was going to say, raise your hand if you've ever felt this way before. But if you're listening, think about if you felt that way before. Because I know I have. I know I have had, you know, the whole thing, well, if they're not meeting my needs, like, does that mean that they're not right for me? Even in, even in polyamory. And actually, I would say even more so in polyamory, um, that has been true for me because I'm, I'm in a, I think that's less about the framework and more about the season of life that I'm in now is I'm really attuned now to my needs. Whereas for the longest time as a recovering people pleaser, I didn't even really know what my needs were. So I just lived for other people, um, in a really, really big way. Um, and now I am learning and working on constantly because it's a constant practice on living for others in a ways that feel aligned uh, with with my own needs um, so that they can also be brought to the table because they are important. And I know what they are very deeply now and I advocate for them very clearly. And so it's actually shown up a lot more for me, this one, in my polyamorous relationships. It's like, well, are they meeting my needs? And the, th- the thing about this is, and we're actually going to get, we're going to get into this topic um, with a guest Um on coming on a coming up episode so stay tuned for that because it's gonna be super fucking juicy but this concept that one person can meet all your needs is so toxic and it is something I see all the time I see TikToks all the time from relationship experts therapists all sorts of people that are sharing about how well you know if your if your partner is uh, is not able to meet your needs then they're not for you Right. And don't get me wrong. I do believe that it is part of having part of having a connection and building a deep love and trust in partnership is being able to go to a partner, a friend, anybody in your life that you love and say, hey, I I'm struggling. I would, I really am needing this. Can you help me? Can you support me in that? Can you do this thing for me? Um, you know, and, and ultimately, of course there's compatibility, but this isn't about that. It's about, uh, you have to meet every single need I have or the, you know, I remember this, like in my early twenties, like every friend of mine, I feel like had a fucking motherfucking checklist of what they wanted their partner to look like, be like, do, um, be into. And it's like, well, God forbid you have a partner who doesn't like to work out and you like to work out. Is that really Uh, You know, like this is actually my prime example. I love movement. I have had my fair share of unhealthy relationships with it over the years, but it is something that truly, you know, brings me joy at the end of the day. It is something that I I need in order to feel like a functioning person. And, you know, Kev, who I've been with for almost 11 years now, Just is not, you know, he likes to hike. He likes to bike. um, He likes to run, which I don't like to do. But most of the time, like, his his movement needs are so much less than mine. And I really like to work out. I like to go to classes, do yoga, you know, all sorts of stuff. Go dance. And that's just not his thing. And if I had been like, well, you don't like this. You don't meet this need. (laughs) Bye-bye. I mean, we wouldn't. Be, we wouldn't have had the most, you know, epic and beautiful relationship that I've, um, I've ever, I've ever known, um, in my life, um, if I had just dismissed him for that reason. Uh, instead, I found and identified other folks, friends, um, who found that interesting and would go to classes with me, who would come over to my house and we work out together, whatever. Um, I found that need filled elsewhere. And this expectation places so much pressure on us, right, Um, that frankly it has ended up building a world of people pleasers, right? So, okay, well, I'm just going to meet all your needs, all your needs, all your needs, all your needs, because if I don't, and it often makes us lose ourselves in the process or say, I'm going to do this thing even though I don't fucking want to. I mean, it's so many people that I – that I do peer support sessions with are like, you know, uh, a win around stepping into ethical non-monogamy that I never thought about before was it's like, oh, I always felt like pressure to go to like concerts 
uh, with my partner. And I don't really like music concerts. It's just not really something that I've done. This is something actually I've heard three times in the last couple of weeks. And now they're dating someone who like just really loves music concerts. And it's so exciting. And it's like I don't feel this pressure to have to go um, just so that they have somebody to go with, right? And because I want to I wanna meet my partner's needs. It's like, well, I, of course I want to meet my partner's needs. But sometimes – I want to also meet my own needs, right? And sometimes those things are in juxtaposition with one another. So, yeah. So that's a big thing. Um, and, you know, let's let's heal from that, my friends. Let's not have that expectation. And also, um, you know, the last part of this, you know, I, I feel too needy and like I need to stop asking for what I need. It perpetuates the perspective, too, of like this lack or less love when our partner can't inevitably can't or won't meet our needs right and it also perpetuates this concept that setting healthy boundaries is harmful (laughs) which is so problematic and so unhealthy right so that's that's one of the tenets of toxic monogamy culture the second tenant that we will explore today the example is i love my partner or partners which means i can and never will be attracted to anyone else for the rest of my life it's this concept that not only – it's either can you can't be attracted to anyone else. Like it's like this like, well, you meet your person and you can't, can't be attracted. Or it's this like rule that like you can't even express that you have attraction. Um, you can't feel that way or it's wrong. It's shamed. It's guilt-induced. And it's so problematic because we are biologically hardwired to – either experience attraction or admiration depending on how we are uniquely made right we are we are we are higher hardwired for that shit and so is it cool to be attracted to folks and not act on it because of the relational agreements you've made within your own unique dynamics of course a thousand percent that's called integrity and it's the only kind of healthy relationship communication that i'm personally interested but you know the whole i only have eyes for you narrative is a toxic monogamous one that only perpetuates shame and stigma around something that is so fucking normal. And I see this all the time, the amount of shame. I mean, I have known people in my life who were so terrified at the fact that they looked at somebody and found them attractive, but they were married and knew that they couldn't even say that to their partner. They couldn't even admit that to their partner or even admit it to themselves because doing so was just so wrapped in guilt, like as if it was the worst fucking thing on the planet. <laughs> or even this, this you know, concept that like, well, if you're looking outside of me, if you're watching porn, if you are, uh, you know, if you, when we're at dinner, if you notice an attractive person walk by, like that that it that is somehow a betrayal to your relationship is something that i will never understand <laughs> i will never understand um because maybe that's outside of the agreements that you have built and again i'm not one to say what is right or wrong for different different people but again i do believe that that messaging is at the root of toxic monogamy culture and that if we were just to be, I don't know, fucking open and honest with one another about where we're at and also have really clear understanding of what we both want and need within the dynamics of our relationship, you know, and 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 live within the you know, within the confines of that with what feels good to both of us or m- m- multiples of us, like that's great. That's fine. And you know, I get that I'm I'm different than than other people I get that um but I I truly I will never be able to understand that perspective and it is one that um if you if you feel this way send me a dm because I genuinely want to understand like I genuinely want to understand this um like where it comes from um and and why it's so important to you okay moving on number three Oh, goodness. Okay. If you were really committed to your partner, you wouldn't date other people. Oh, and getting married and having kids is the only way to show commitment. So this one's about commitment and what we have been programmed to believe commitment is. 
right? So this is attached to the concept of the relationship escalator, which we've talked about on the podcast before when I had Dedeker Winston on um, way back. I think that was like season two. Um, So go check that episode out. I'll link it in the show notes for you as well. Um, But (sighs) commitment has been – you know, just to summarize what, what the relationship escalator really is, it's this concept um, that, again, you know, toxic monogamy culture has been rooted in that this is the only way to have a successful, committed relationship is you meet somebody, you fall madly in love, you move in together, you get engaged, you get married, you have kids, and then you live a long, happy life together until you both die holding hands, notebook style, right? Like that is what we have been taught is the only way to be committed. And that anything outside of that, anything outside of that, whether that's getting a divorce, um, you know, uh, choosing to have multiple partners, um, lovingly deciding to adjust and de-escalate your relationship, not having kids, anything like that, it's a less committed form. Or choosing to just have, you know, um, a different way of doing relationships, period. I mean, any of that stuff, right? Um, and this perspective and this, this, this really framework, it others any folks who do relationships differently. It just does. Um, and those ways of doing relationships, the way that I choose to do my relationships, they're all valid and much more common paths than toxic monogamy culture has caused us to believe. Um, so yeah, uh, it's just, it's, it's a really pervasive one in the society that, that we live in. Um, and it also, um, really again, speaks to this concept of shoulds, what we should be doing in our relationship, what commitment should look like, which we all know how I feel about shoulds. Okay. Next one. They're jealous, which means they love me. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. So this one's a big one, right? So that this concept of jealousy, either that jealousy, uh, is this like this love thing that happens in my it's like oh they're jealous and that's sexy like ooh they should be jealous of me right I don't know about you but I used to think like I want my partners to be jealous when I'm talking to someone else because I I I want them to want me it was this like it was just what I was taught was important and if they weren't that like something was maybe wrong with us (laughs) and the interesting thing (laughs) is that what I get taught all the time and told all the time is oh well if you're experiencing jealousy then you clearly aren't polyamorous (laughs) as if like jealousy is not an emotion that we all experience no matter what framework we choose and or identify with most right so uh but jealousy has nothing to do with love right jealousy in my experience and my research is a very common and totally nor- normal top level emotion that is rooted in often in a deeper deeper fear, right? We all know like fear is is my shit. Fear is the thing that I coach around the most. And I I I love learning about this stuff and there's so many I mean if you're thinking about it like the iceberg, the thing that comes up on top on the top that you see of the iceberg is jealousy. Everything that comes underneath this it can be it can look so different for, for so many different humans. Um, but it can come from a slew of things like shame, insecurity, attachment styles, trauma, whatever. But when we attach the feelings of jealousy to someone's love for us, as toxic monogamy culture would have us do, we perpetuate the standard for unhealthy relationship behaviors, right? Instead of focusing on deepening self-awareness and building healthy communication tool, understanding ourselves um, so that we can uh, speak to that and say, instead of responding and reacting in an unhealthy way, surrounding jealousy surrounding our expectations around what love should look like we can communicate effectively we can speak to our own insecurities we can name it right I mean we can set healthy bound whatever it is um but no that's that's the that's the fun one right they're jealous which means they love me all right next one my spouse or partner always comes first Ugh. So this one was probably the hardest for me to personally unpack. Um, You know, especially growing up as a millennial, I was taught, you know, to categorize everything into favorites 
<laughs> you know, like my best friend and this is my favorite color. And, you know, it's just like all the things. And so it, it really, it, it stood to reason that, that the person that we fell in love with would probably also land number one in that books, in our books. Um, and even though I consciously was like, I wouldn't inherently choose my partner and their needs over my best friend's need, over my my mom's need in a circumstance. Like, I knew that about myself. I also noticed that I felt like that was the expectation anyways of the folks around me. And so I could just say, well, hey, you know, Kev needs me. Kev's been the longest relationship I've had. So I've go, I go to that relationship the most because we have an 11-year experience in this, and we've lived both monogamously and polyamorously together. Um, polyamorously? Wow. I just made up a word. I love it. Um, but, uh, you know, um, it was really tough for me to – it was just so easy for me in, because of toxic monogamy culture to just be like, oh, he needs me. I got to go. And now it's like, well, okay, he needs me. Do I need to go? And what are the resources here? And also, do what do I need? And what does the person needs? What are the person's needs are that I'm with right now? And there's just so many components of that that we just just devalue because of this concept, right? And that we always have to just drop everything for the people in our life. I, I, I did this all the goddamn time and still do a lot because it is rampant in our culture to do so. Um, but it also, you know, it, it, it also, um, what I, this one also perpetuates the protect this relationship at all costs narrative, right? So that, that can be like a control factor of who they, and, and sometimes that means that, and I've seen this happen a lot is there are rules imposed. It's not, um, hey, this is what I'm comfortable with. Hey, this is what I'm comfortable with. And then meeting in the middle and, and making decisions and, and agreements that feel good. It's um, you can't spend time with this person or um, your free time can only look like this. Um, it can end up creating a lot of manipulative, manipulative narcissistic um, humans because that's what we've been, again, programmed to believe we can do when it comes to and what love looks like at the end of the day. So those are just some of the tenets of toxic monogamy culture. I mean, we could go into this, but those are the biggest ones that um, – we could go into this for so long. But those are the biggest ones that um, get tossed around a lot. And I, it's really tough to hear all those things sometimes and start to think, wonder like, oh, where am I here, right? And, and there's, so, there's so many things that um, – that I have fought against within my own self. And so I just want you to know, like, no matter, again, what your relationship looked like and no matter where you are in your journey with unpacking this, whether this is your first time hearing about this and you perpetuate all of the things that we just talked about, or you've been learning about this for some time and are unpacking things, or maybe you're listening to this and you're like, oh, I do this a little bit, but not this, right? This is, again, just about a space of curiosity and starting to get to know yourself and and giving yourself the permission to grow and evolve and start operating in your in in your relationship dynamics in a way that's actually going to serve you both in the long run right because i personally believe and i'm not basing this on any fucking uh you know data or stats so don't you know don't quote me on this but this is just my belief system based on what i've seen that a lot of relationships end because of this that a lot of relationships do not thrive and it's not even ending because ending is totally fine but they they could thrive they could be so beautiful if the two parties or multiple parties within them were able to own their stuff and not have these intensely challenging expectations that are frankly in my opinion impossible for anyone to uphold and that we change the way in which we define what it is to love and be loved. You know, there are a lot of things that we can do as humans. We are so much more powerful and capable 
than we let ourselves believe we are a lot of the time. I know I lived in, you know, victim mentality for a really long time around what could change or couldn't change. But I want to remind you that you have so much agency and that if I can do this, <laughs> if I can unpack the codependency that I witnessed, the lack of autonomy and relationships surrounding me, the, you know, Disney princess narrative and obsession with Disney that I was in for so long and the whole like swept off my feet perspective and romantic perspective that I had growing up, Right if I can move through that and unpack that, whether I experienced that in my own relationships or not, if that was the culture I grew up with, right? And I can unpack that. And maybe that's all you've ever known. Maybe that's all you've ever known is love. Like unlearning could be trig- could be triggering. Hearing this could be fucking triggering. And all of it is okay. Just be fucking curious with yourself and ask why you do relationships. What's actually important to you at your core? And uh, let this be a conversation that you have with your partner or partners. Um, Share this episode with them and let it be a discussion too. I love hearing that, you know, when you say like, oh, I shared this episode with my partner. We ended up having like a three-hour conversation about this thing you were talking about. Like, I love hearing that. Let me know in my DMs because it truly lights me up more than anything because this is how discourse happens. This is how growth happens. This is how we can acknowledge what is so that we can choose to intentionally live within the context of the life that we live, right? The world that we live in and make and, and show up intentionally and actually live consciously and from our knowing instead of just on automatic pilot based off of what a, a society rooted in so many problematic things has taught us to believe that love is. I believe in you. I know that you have the courage because you're fucking great. <laughs> you wouldn't be here if you weren't. Um, and I hope this was a really helpful episode. And there you have it. For all the things that I shared in um, today's episode, for the show notes and all of that stuff, you can, as always, check it out at amandacatherineloy.com forward slash podcast forward slash 134. Um, Or if you're listening to another episode or want to go back to another episode and see the show notes for that, you can do the same. You just exit, you know, and switch out the the episode uh, number. And um, yeah, as always, if you love this episode, uh, you know, leave a review uh, share on Instagram and tag us at live your fuck yes life. And you can also tag me at Amanda Catherine Loy. Always. Um, the dogs are just as excited about you doing that. I hope you could hear Charlie barking in the background. Um, and I just so goddamn appreciate you all. Um, this is a big one. I hope to have more conversation about this soon. And as always, if you love the podcast and want to keep it going, um, feel free to be a Patreon um, and, and sign up for our Patreon. Um, you can start at the $5 level or however much you want to give. Um, if you are at the $5 level or up, um, we're going to be opening and starting a new fun behind the scenes feature soon. So stay tuned for that. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be juicy. (laughs) Um, and I've never really done anything like it before, but I'm excited. Um, and as always, I, you know, we'll see you on the flip side and I hope you have a beautiful time and until next time. Bye-bye.